Today's show was brought to you by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to episode 240 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we are going to recap the winners and losers from the 2019 NBA draft. Before we get to that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter, at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever podcasts are found, on iTunes or Apple Music or whatever it's called now. Please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. It would really help us out. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, Brian, um, there was this guy who complained about having to stay up till 4 a.m. after (laughs) the draft. I wasn't complaining. I was just saying I I was asleep for the last six hours. So if mm. something had broken on the Lakers thing, I hadn't seen it because I was right. asleep. I wasn't scrolling through Twitter. No. Okay. So so the point of you having to stay up till four, you know, that had to just be included in. Oh, woe is me. I just saying that I wasn't awake to scroll through Twitter <laughs> the last few hours. I was genuinely curious because right, right. they made it seem like. There, were, there was, like, some agreed-to deal about the Jones-Bonga-Wagner stuff, and I, I just hadn't seen it. I checked Woj, and okay, I checked Chance. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Because but, all I'm saying is 7.30. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah. with that said, I know both of us are in the same boat right now. You know how, like, when you get drunk and then someone takes a picture of you, you just have, like, a melted face? Like, you, you just, it looks like your entire face is drooping? I think that's Actually, where, like... I, I've never had anyone take a picture of me while, while I'm drunk. I really I don't I don't I don't think there ever existed or has you know exist a single picture of me drunk mm, because lucky. people look, yeah well it's because I'm so ugly that when I'm drunk <laughs> that people are like no no my my phone will literally break I mean no it's you not get, gonna happen you get bad melty face well as a veteran of melty face I would say right now both of us have melty brain so yes. I apologize in advance if this is more rambling and incoherent than usual but that's what we get for staying up all night to cover the draft. Which so, was fun, by the way. Yeah. Totally worth it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, more, I think it's fair to say there are a lot more winners than losers from last night, in part yeah. because this draft was just so unpredictable, and it's really hard to hate teams in that really like the 10 to 30 range, but just because there was not a strong consensus of, this guy is the 12th best prospect, and he fell to 18, so that team is a loser for not taking him. Right. That said, Mort, who's your biggest winner of the night? Well, b- before I go that route, okay, I actually want to point out one loser that we shouldn't dedicate a whole bunch of time on. Okay. 
one major loser last night was uh, toxic masculinity. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. That's great that that lost. Yeah. Good on every draft prospect and parent to be so emotionally open on oh, camera. For sure. Yeah. Like RJ Barrett's dad telling him, you know, I'm proud of you, son, on yep. open camera was amazing. Yep. And and also kudos to the NBA for creating an environment where this is invited and encouraged. Sure. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Very true. So with with that mushy stuff out of the way, <laughs> um how how can you know the major winner? How can you not be the major winner and primary winner if you you know if you don't walk away with Sion? I mean, you're, right. it's Sion. It's the right. Pelicans. Uh, right. Not only did they get him, they they got Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander Walker as well, and then they extorted the Golden State Warriors, which is just like fun. Yeah, uh, that's that's a tremendous tremendous draft. David Griffin has already locked up the executive of the year award. I don't care. <laughs> I know. I was yeah, I was on the phone with my dad a few minutes ago and I was saying the same thing. He's just run a complete masterclass since taking over that organization. And, you know, we'll get to the Sixers later, but I know a lot of people on Sixers Twitter last night were were tweeting out quotes because this you know, the Sixers pursued David Griffin last summer when they had an executive uh, opening. And yep. they said something along the lines of they, they didn't want a GM with final say. They wanted to keep this collaborative approach. Last night was proof that, hey, maybe you should have hired an experienced general manager in David Griffin. Because, yeah, trading down from four to get eight, 17, and 35, using those picks on prospects who fit well next to Zion is fantastic. And then, as you said, that, you know, the. The Warriors had telegraphed who they wanted at 41. The San Francisco Chronicle uh, had written articles about it, saying, like, this is the guy that the Warriors don't want you to know about. So the Pelicans, two picks before, take that guy, force the Warriors to trade two second-round picks for him. Just phenomenal. Phenomenal work from David Griffin. And, of course, Zion. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but you know like turning four which they got for the anthony davis trade into all of that yeah he has now turned anthony davis into lonzo ball brandon ingram josh hart jackson hayes nikhil alexander walker I, they took a draft and sash at 35 who i'm not going to pretend i know anything about plus all the future picks from the lakers it's just right. you could not have imagined starting a rebuild better than the pelicans just did they're going to be I mean, I haven't done my league pass rankings yet. We're going to wait till free agency, of course. I can't imagine they're not a top five league pass team next year, though. Oh, I mean, I don't care what happens in free agency. Like, literally, um, <laughs> you have Kawhi Leonard who could take a minimum contract and join up with the Lakers or whatever. Ew. I don't care. The Pelicans <laughs> are uh, a top two, if not top one for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I need that. Hook it into my veins immediately. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. One of my other big winners more is the Memphis Grizzlies, and in part, it follows the same logic as the Pelicans, as they won the second they got the number two pick on the draft lottery. They were, like, automatic winners of draft night just because they fell into John Morant. Um, We talked about the Mike Conley trade last episode, but they got decent enough value out of that in return. They then take that 23 pick and trade up to 21, where Mm. OKC is, get Brandon Clark, who took an unexpected tumble down draft boards. Now, I know there was some concern about 
his size. He measured 6'8 with a 6'8 wingspan at the combine, which is not ideal. Not a great shooter. Uh, concerned Older. about concerned about just which position he's going to play in the NBA. But he's now paired next to John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. That's just... I, I mean, the Pelicans, you know, what we just said about them, I can't imagine starting a, re- a rebuild better than they have. A rebuild starting around Ja, Jared Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark is a pretty damn good start, too. Right, and they still have an option of bringing back Jonas Valanciunas, probably. Yep. I, or have, He's an unrestricted free agent, but, uh, I mean, I assume that he'll listen. And yeah. if they bring him back to the fold, you know, it could be a Blake Griffin, uh, Nene situation where they bring him back pump up his trade value, and maybe ship him off for something of need, maybe mm-hmm. a wing. That mm-hmm. could be interesting. So, yeah. so the Gorillas are definitely, you know, in on the ground floor here. Brandon Clark, older uh, player, partly I think that's part of why he, he slipped. I think he's going to be 23 in a moment. Maybe he already is. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's going to be one of the older uh, rookies in this draft class. And usually older guys are not picked very early in the lottery. Mm-hmm. Um or just early in the first round. Stay tuned when we talk about Phoenix. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this is like great value selection. And and honestly, this is once again why teams should value first round trip uh, draft picks. So yeah. I, I mean, you know, you and I we were very active on Twitter, and we come across a lot of different people on that platform. And one group of people I usually see many of are the oh lower level first round draft picks just aren't valuable people right or second round picks or even second yeah like oh second rounders doesn't mean anything yeah that's that's such bs and and this just further proves that you need to have uh draft picks like just in general and a late first rounder in today's market and in today's nba where you have so much talent from the outside and, and and so many you know informations and details about players it's just crucial to have them. And for, for you know Memphis to end up taking Brandon Clark at 21, granted they had to trade up at only two slots, uh, that, that's great value. And the team we're going to be talking about right after this, the Blazers, also got terrific value with Nasir Little. This is, this is what you do. Like right. You get draft picks and you take a chance on someone you like or you think could be something. And that's why when I, when I saw like the AD trade, Lakers fans were saying, oh, some of those picks are going to be really low. It's not going to matter. It's like, it's crap. It's yada, yada, yada. Right. No, they they don't have to be crap whatsoever. Like, they could become perfectly legitimate NBA quality uh, worthy picks. Right. That's, that's, it's just such a, a wrong mindset to have that, oh, late picks, they're basically, uh, they have no value. Like, no, right. that's not true. Someone takes an unexpected tumble down draft boards every year, and the the hit rate gets lower. I, I wouldn't argue against that. You have a much better chance of finding a generational prospect in the top few picks than you do at, you know, late in the first round or early in the second round. But you do sometimes find those guys, and when you do, it gives you such an enormous advantage when you have a Pascal Siakam who, mm. you know, is now if he doesn't agree to an extension, is going to have a dirt cheap cap hold because he was a late first-round pick next right. summer, that's an enormous advantage for your team building. It, I mean, if you hit on one of these guys, it's just found money. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, I mean, just really, truly excellent work from the Grizzlies. I wrote about them 
at the basketball writers. That was part of the reason I stayed up to, until a stupid hour last night. I, I first was so mad about the Sixers that I had to write about them at Forbes. And then <laughs> at 1.30, I started on the Grizzlies. So um, go to the basketball writers and check that out. You can use the code the NBA pod for 10% off your daily, monthly, or annual subscription. We also have a bunch of draft coverage out there. Adam Spinella did a phenomenal job with um, draft profiles for all of the prospects. So if you don't know anything about the guy your favorite team selected last night, I promise you the NBA pod at the basketball writers use that code for 10% off. It'll be well worth your money. Um, because I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about a lot of these second rounders. I was using Adam's profiles a lot last night. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. So, yeah. you mentioned the Blazers. Definitely another winner. Nasir Little falls to them at 25. I feel like you and I have been <laughs> joking about the Blazers because you were high on their young guys last year. And I said, well, that's great, but they aren't going to play. Nasir Little, I think, is going to play, and he really might address one of their biggest holes, which is they've had good scoring out of Damon CJ. You know, they had Nurkic, before he got hurt at least, who was giving them a nice, consistent presence in the post. But their wing depth and their wing scoring was just left a lot to be desired. Right. Nasir Little might fix that. Yeah, so so I like Nasir Little. I think it's fair that there were cons- concerns about him because he didn't produce at UNC, but at the same time, the system just didn't work for him. He mm-hmm. was put in the corner, uh, which is, like, he's not a corner player. If you catch my drift, he's not someone who will stand there and just shoot. He is a guy who plays, in my perspective, a little bit like Sean Marion. Remember back when with Sean in, in Phoenix, like, Mike D'Antoni never really drew up a play for him. He kind of just lingered around and found opportunities. I, I think Nasir Little is a same caliber player. And to further boot that is during the workouts that he had, private workouts with teams, the word is that he actually answered all the questions that were surrounding his shooting and he could shoot. Mm-hmm. That's huge because if he can come in and just give Portland like seven points a game right off the bat, that, that's a huge asset for them because they need it. And considering how many young players they have already, just like they're flowing on the, you know, flying on the radar, they could actually trot out a, a young starting lineup if they want to during games that are may, you know, where you can argue it would be better to sit out Dame or CJ. But now mm-hmm. you have Zach Collins, Scalabizier, Nasir Little, Gary Trent, and Anthony Simons. 
you know, those guys, obviously the last two, Simons and Trent, they didn't play a whole lot this year, but now they're going to be second-year players. Little is, is just too good to not play, so I assume, like you said, he's probably going to get minutes immediately. Mm-hmm. But those two other guys might get minutes. Zach Collins is already a part of the rotation. Now Scala Bissier has to fight his way back just a little bit. But I could see Portland relying on those players just a bit more, maybe dial back the minutes of Dame and CJ. Nurkic is going to be back eventually, maybe not this year, but maybe in the late year. I We really don't know what's up with him. Um, you can't rely on Evan Turner, <laughs> just right. to put it bluntly. Right. You don't know what's going to go on with Alfred Camino, who's a free agent. Yep. They still have Mo Hartless for one uh, year, and he's kind of essential to their to the to way that they're playing because he's a strong wing defender. Mm-hmm. So I assume that they're going to keep him. So yeah, they just need cheap production coming off the bench, and those young guys could do that. Totally agree with all of that, Mort. Another big winner, and as good, it might pain you to say this, was your former Chicago Bulls. Well, big, big and big. I mean, I think you're right there in the winner column, but I mean, it's not like they got Jared Culver, which I right. think that would have made them big winners. Yeah. But they, they did get Kobe White, and then they picked up Daniel Gafford at 38. Mm-hmm. That's like that's a value play, or that's a value player at that play at that position in the draft, obviously. Yeah. Uh, a big pivot man, not really a shooter, but a shot blocker, rebounder, rim runner, uh, athletic, loves to dunk, um, is really active, runs the floor. I mean, yeah, he's he's probably always going to be a backup, but I think mm-hmm. he could definitely be a quality backup. And at 38, I mean, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Wyatt is the big get for the Bulls. He's... You know, a type of point guard, probably more so a combo than a pure one. I don't think necessarily that's a big problem. Um, I want to shout out Mark Karensoulis, who wrote a piece about this on Bloggable. He came mm-hmm. up with a really good idea. Basically, his point was this. The, Bull, the Bulls could still go out this summer and find a point guard. Let's, let's say Patrick Beverly. And then they should actually bring Kobe White and Chris Dunn off the bench together. So Dunn would actually be the backup point guard and White would be the backup two. So they could kind of interchange that way uh, because then you wouldn't necessarily give White all the ball handling responsibility and you wouldn't put all the starting responsibility on Dunn. Like he may hate that, but he's just not that good. Um, so yeah, it's, there are definitely some solutions there that they need to figure out, but he's a hard-nosed scorer, loves to get to the basket, well, one of the best pull-up shooters, or not pull-up shooters, spot-up shooters uh, in college uh, this season. Needs to be better at pulling up from, from deep, but, mm-hmm. you know, 19 years old. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I tweeted it last night, and I think I DM'd it to you, too. A starting five of Kobe White, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Laurie Marketing, and Wendell Carter Jr. On paper, it sounds really fun. That yeah. would also be very high on my league pass rankings. Assuming but, Jim Boylan understands <laughs> how to run, right? Right, exactly. No one send this podcast to the scout man, please. I don't want an angry DM thread from him. But yes, Jim Boylan makes me nervous about optimizing the potential of otherwise what should be a young, fun core that they fell ass backwards into. I agree. And and here's the thing. I, do I actually have a question for you. Do you think now, because they actually chose a guard, who is so reliant on playing up-tempo basketball. Do you think now that there has to be a much larger sense of responsibility in terms of how they play? Like, should management go in 
and basically tell Jim Borland. I know, I know they won't, but just stay with me. Should they theoretically go in and tell Jim Borland, look, we just spent the seventh overall pick on a guy who's an up-tempo point guard. Mm-hmm. You need to run. I would think so. Yeah. A, a good team would do that, or a good front agree. office would do that. Do the Bulls have that? I don't know. I, I don't think they do, and that's pro- that's where the concern is to me. Yeah. I don't know if they could end up unintentionally just lampooning uh, the, the career of Cody White, Kobe White <laughs> right. initially. Um, right. Because he's not he's not a great half-court player. And, and, you know, that needs to be fixed as well. Like, that's on him to get better in the half-court. That's not, I mean, that goes in terms of player development, and, and he has to put in the effort to become a better half-court player. But at the same time, when you're a rookie, you also need to have success stories. You need to have games that you can build upon. And in my opinion, White needs to be able to run to have those games that he can build upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see what happens. But um, it's it's definitely from it from a talent level. I think the Bulls did well. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, they got lucky to some extent, but you know, they're lucky that Garland and White both didn't go ahead of them. But then they probably were going to fall into Culver. So either way, they were going to be fine. Right at seven, it was nice. Right. And had they gotten Culver, I mean, they would have been huge winners. Um, yeah. I, I had Culver as number three on my draft on my big board. So so yeah, mm-hmm. getting him at seven would have been terrific. Yeah. 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 And since we're on Culver, let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, who moved up from 11 to 6 by right. trading the 11 and Dario Saric to the Phoenix Suns, who, again, we, we promise we will, we will talk about the Suns later. We're not yeah. in the winner's section. Um, <laughs> the, the Timberwolves, though, are, are huge winners because, look, I don't think they were super high on Dario. Um, he didn't fit all that well next to Towns last year. He struggled for most of the year. Came on late, but just never seemed to quite get his footing yeah. in Minnesota. I think there's especially defensive concerns about that pairing. He's entering the last year of his rookie deal. He's eligible for an extension this summer. I just don't think they were wild about the prospect of paying him what they would have to after this season. So, you know, I, I felt the same way about Philly. He was always going to get priced out in Philly. I think in Minnesota, it's kind of the same way with Towns and Wiggins, both on max deals. Unfortunately for the latter, you can't really afford to pay Dario eight figures too. So by dumping him to move up five spots, it's great use of an asset. And getting Jarrett Culver, I mean, now you have him, Robert Covington, and Josh Okoge. That's a really good, fun, defensive wing trio. Yeah. You know, especially if you're not convinced Towns is an elite defender yet, having those guys swarming oh, the you're perimeter. You're pretty convinced he's not, right? Right, right. But having those guys <laughs> swarm the perimeter makes up for a lot of those issues. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I did too. I just love the fact that you said not yet. Like, yeah. I, I don't think Towns necessarily ever is going to reach elite defender status. Yeah. Uh, but that's fair. So I actually have a question for you right now, and it's I swear I'm not trying to troll, okay? Oh, boy. Oh, Is Jared Culver the best wing on Minnesota? Oh, I mean, he might be. <laughs> that's that's what I'm coming back to. Like, yeah. like, you know, obviously the answer should be no. It's Andrew Wiggins. He's on a, oh, no. you know, a I super thought, Oh, mag- no. 
I thought you were like, trolling about Covington because you know I love him so much. No, oh. no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. This like you you have a max player who's yeah. like 23, 24 years old. Obviously, he should always be the answer considering right. the the amount of money he he earns. But I, I'm I'm looking at that roster right now, and I'm not convinced that you know he's the better wing. I I, I look at Jared Culver and I think he might be the best one. Well, I mean, especially in terms of an asset perspective, Andrew That's Wiggins true. is by far the worst wing of the Correct. four on that roster. Culver, Okogi, Covington are all much better values. They provide much more bang for the buck mm. than Andrew Wiggins does. But maybe this, you know, maybe this lights a fire. Maybe this is finally the thing that motivates him to tap into his potential. Um, well, maybe, but I actually have a different theory. I just forgot the name. Of uh, the gentleman who is basically rebuilding uh, Minnesota on the fly. Gerson Rosas. Thank you. There we go. Would it be an idea? Because, you know, Rosas is really into, like, new age analytics and, you know, progressiveness in terms of, like, the basketball institution. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins as the power forward moving I was, forward. Yeah, I was about to suggest that. I'm, yeah. I'm open to it. Yeah. Why not? I think I, yeah. You might as well try something. I, th- I think that might be his best position because he can handle the ball a lot better if he's a four than he's yeah. a, than as a three. Yeah. Like, granted, he would rebound miserably as a four man. <laughs> right. But, I mean, Towns is an elite rebounder, so maybe you are able to actually overcome that. And Jared Culver is a great rebounder as well. So yeah. you, you, could, you could actually get out ahead of it. But maybe that's the move you make. Maybe yeah. that's how you actually make Wiggins relevant again. You slide yeah. him into the four. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, more the other, the, the next team I want to talk about, I, I, I'm hesitant to call them total winners, but I think you can at least talk me into it. The Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, at five, taking Dar- uh, Garland is the best, it's like BPA, right? Yeah. I mean, they took the best player available. Well, I'm not, well, well if you, yeah, Culver. Yeah, but you know, based on consensus or whatever, I know who puts that much stock into it. But in theory, they took the BPA. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the fit between him and Colin Sexton, but Colin Sexton also isn't a good enough prospect. Where you're saying, all right, this guy has this position locked down. We should completely ignore it. We should, you know, draft based on need instead of the best player mm-hmm. available. You're still early enough in the rebuild that 
You just got to take the best player and figure it out later. I really did like what they did later in the first round, though. Taking Windler at 26, great shooter. And then moving up to get Kevin Porter Jr. at 30, who fell a lot further than I think most people expected. Some people thought he was a lottery pick. And I know there were some character concerns and injury concerns, but... You know, they traded four second rounders and five million in cash. I have not seen the details on the second rounders, but I know at least one of them uh, was a fake one. I know it was the because Philly ended up getting it, and it was the top fifty-five protected right. Miami pick. So, so effectively, three first rounders and five million. Yeah, second round. Or yeah. saying second round. Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> right, right. That, that would be bad. I would. They would be losers. Yeah, and I don't know what the other three second rounders are. You know, for no. all we know, some of them are protected. We just don't know the details. But regardless, right. moving back up to get that guy, at, like, you know, they, they got a, a lot of decent young talent last night, which is what they need to be doing at this stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like you, I'm not sold on the fit, but mm-hmm. here's what I am sold on. I think Garland and Sexton offensively are going to be extremely entertaining to watch. That's yeah. where it ends for me. <laughs> Yeah, I think they'll be bad. Defensively, they'll be a train wreck. I think Colin Sexton is actually more of a natural two guard than a point anyway. So the whole idea of why select a point guard when you have a point guard, I think that in my in my mind, that goes out the window because I don't look at Colin Sexton as a point guard anyway. So I don't have that concern. But it's going to be a very small backcourt that b- both of them uh, project as not great defenders. So so on that aspect, it's not going to be pretty. But offensively, I think they could gel so well and they could be electric to watch, which I would definitely appreciate because if you suck as a basketball team, at least you should be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think those two guys could fit in well with that, especially if you were in Kevin Porter Jr. in that uh, equation. But, oh my God, that fit defensively and in terms of affecting wins and losses, I'm not there, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Detroit Pistons, I know you're going to have a big winner in your books because they, mm-hmm. they took your boy. How did my boy last until 15? How I, I, I need I an know. answer to this. How, how Look, let me just read you a couple of names that went before Sekou Domboya, okay? Yeah. Rui Hachimura, Cam Reddish, Cameron Johnson, PJ Washington, Tyler Hero, and Romeo Langford. Like, that's one, two, three, four, five, six teams right there that in a couple of years are going to be, oh, we screwed the pooch. Yeah, yeah. That's, this is amazing, amazing value for Detroit. Getting Dumboya at 15, I love it. He was fourth on my big board. Like, I, I absolutely love it. Um, congratulations, Duncan Smith, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he went into our group DMs like, am I happy? <laughs> Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> You're happy. Um, so so here's the thing about Dubois. I've spoken him up a lot, so people are probably expecting him to just ball out his first year. No, that's not necessarily. He's going to be 18 for the first part of the season. I mean, he's, he's not going to be 19 until late December anyway. Uh, he, he is young there are definitely some raw components but give him a few years because this kid has tremendous upside like i like to look at him i don't like player comps necessarily but i think they're great at just giving 
people like an idea of what a guy can be. Offensively, I think Dumboya can be much like Hito Turkoglu during his Orlando Magic tenure, which is very, very good, mind you. And mm-hmm. defensively, Luol Deng from his Chicago Bulls day. I mean, if you combine those two, that becomes a very, very good player. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll t- I would say. and yeah. I, I mean, the Pistons... In some respects, it's good that they have Griffin and Drummond, so they're not going to need Domboya to contribute right away. They can allow right. him to develop somewhat slowly. And if, you know, who better to learn from than a Blake Griffin who came in as this athletic marvel who, you know, could just jump and dunk out of the gym, but especially over the past few years and this year in particular has really rounded out his game, has uh, added a consistent three-point shot, has always been a great passer, but now he can really operate mm. off the dribble. I mean, he's just a really excellent, well-rounded basketball player. So going against that guy every day in practice, I like it a lot. And I forget, I think it was Jeff Siegel of Early Bird Rights who tweeted this last night, but he noted that Dwayne Casey, the now Pistons former Raptors head coach, is who set Pascal Siakam on the path that he went on. And, you know, I, I saw some Siakam comps being thrown around for Domboya. It might just be lazy. I don't know. but That's, that's recency uh, yeah. laziness. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Okay. But, I mean, if he has a similar effect, you know, maybe two or three years from now, we're looking at this kid as a, a foundational piece for the Pistons. Yep. I, I think he could be. Um, I, I think the Pascal Siakam thing is... I think it's so difficult because Siakam is very uh, similar in, in, in that sense to Draymond Green. Not in terms of the raw playmaking ability, but the switchability, uh, the rebounding, the being able to handle the basketball at the very least at, at, at the four position. And I so, so when you compare him to Draymond, you are in extension also kind of comparing Dumboya to Draymond. Hmm. And okay. I, I'm not there. I don't think he'll be as great a playmaker as Draymond ever. Um, I think he can be something like... I think he can be in an above-average playmaker for sure, mm-hmm. but it's going to be within a team scheme. Like He's not going to be a guy who just you know, st- st- initiates the offense and averages like seven assists a game. Like I don't <laughs> sure. think Dubois will ever be that type of game. Like statistical, Statistically, I think his profile will be similar to like prime Tobias Harris. Okay. Which is like fantastic, good, fantastically still, good. Still a max player in two weeks. <laughs> for, yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes. But I mean, with with greater defense on the other end, like the, obviously this is me maxing out his potential. Um, sure. You know, a realistic landing spot for him in terms of you know when a guy doesn't reach his full ceiling, but he's okay. Mm-hmm. That's a, like an eight to nine year starter, which yeah. is fine, especially in this draft of fifteen. I just sure. don't see any downside to it. The one concern, and Sam Vecini echoed this as well, is he might not break through on his first team. Yeah. That's a fair concern. It really is. So I hope the Pistons are just going to be patient. I hope they're going to be very open in their, in their communication with him. And I hope they give him a lot of run um, because he needs it. It, it. The Pistons really aren't going uh, anywhere. I mean, they... <laughs> They're like eight, seven or eight in the playoff um, race every single year. Like that's that's what they fight for. Right. right so right. I I don't think it makes sense to go out and give you know some random signing 
more minutes than Dumboya. Like he needs to be part of the rotation from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's crucial. Like don't send him down to the G League. Keep him up. Like you said, let let him play against Blake every single practice. Yeah. Like just throw him through the ringer. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Um, one of my last winners of the evening was the Indiana Pacers, and in part they were a victim or a, a not a victim, I guess, but benefactor, a benef- or benefactor. yeah, benefactor of a circumstance by having Goga follow them all the way to eighteen. I don't know what that means necessarily for the Sabonis Turner pairing. It just seems like they're amassing all of the big men, like the mid twenty ten Sixers, and that did not work out very well for the Sixers. So we'll see there. But they got TJ Warren and the number thirty two pick for free. The Suns mm-hmm. just dumped both of them, and the, yeah. the Pacers were like, "Oh, you want to dump a productive wing on a reasonable?" low eight-figure annual salary, and you'll give us an early second-round pick for free? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh my god. It was, is it I, fair to put someone as a winner if the other team was just so bad at their jobs? Yes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> no, look, this was great. Um, TJ Warren is... I mean, you and I have spoken about him before. Yeah. He's underrated. Yeah. He's, he's really totally, good, and he yeah. finally got a hold of his jump shot. Like, yeah. That was the big concern for him was he couldn't shoot. That When he came into the league, that was the big question. Now he's a shooter. Right. He can score near the paint. Like, he's a tremendous scorer, and he's a decent rebounder. He's on a very, very attractive contract that you just you know pointed out. Uh, him with a healthy Oladipo, extremely exciting. Yeah. I, I love the idea of that. And with with Bitatze at eighteen, so I, I I love him first and foremost. I'm not saying that he's there to replace uh, Sabonis or or Miles Turner, mm-hmm. but I'm also not saying that he couldn't get there because right. you know T- Turner has been underwhelming, and I think it would make sense. I, I still maintain it would make sense for Indiana to just gauge the trade market on him because mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think he's going to get all that much better. Uh, and if some team is willing to buy high on his potential, I think that's something you need to consider. Um, and Sabonis, I think, can also play the four. I, I'm not necessarily concerned about playing him strictly as a five because of his ability to pass and initiate the offense. I think you know you can survive with him at the four for pretty long stretches. It's not optimal, especially in today's NBA, but I think you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just look at those three, and then Warren probably slides to the three, then you have a pretty strong three-man upfront rotation. Like mm-hmm. then you have just Sabonis, Goga, and Turner sharing two positions and getting a ton of minutes. I, I could see that working out. Yeah, yeah, I, I could too. Uh, yeah, I mean, on on the Warren note, he averaged almost twenty points a game each of the past two seasons. This past year, he shot almost forty-three percent from three. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. I will say. The one good thing uh, for teams that have max contract players who they're hoping to retain, such as the Sixers, this that that move was good news for them, just because now the Pacers, I think at most, can carve out about thirty-one million in cap space. That's not counting the cap hold for Bojan Bogdanovic. After they made the move, Woj said the Pacers are targeting Ricky Rubio in free agency, so it seems like they have 
moved on from chasing max free agents and they're kind of pushing down, you know, they'll probably retain Bogdanovich. We'll see. I would assume with Warren there, Thad Young is probably on his way out, but they yeah. still have a bunch of other guys, you know, Collison, Joseph are both free agents, West Matthews. So they have a bunch of their own free agents. So it seems like they are out of the max free agent market, which I, I will have a column up on Forbes later today, celebrating that from the Sixers perspective. I also had a column up on the Forbes today where I went through the draft. Uh, oh, in yeah. case people are interested. Indeed, indeed. Um, any other winners stand out to you more? I think there are a couple that we need to talk about in the medium place. <laughs> Neither winners nor losers, just kind of floating in the that purgatory territory. Well, I mean... I don't want to put them as winners because then you're just going to talk about them. And whenever you do, our numbers in Massachusetts go down significantly. No, they're, they're in the medium place, man. You can't put them as winners based on the one move. Two of them are good, but one of them was so bad that they have to be in the medium place. All right, that's fair. But I will point out, getting Grant Williams, that's awesome. Yeah. And f- just fleecing the 76ers in that trade is also pretty great. It's Oh, my God. All right. So let's go in. Let's go. In. Well, I want to say the Clippers. I just liked them trading up for Kevin Gelly. I don't know how to mm. say his name, but he's he. What they gave up the twenty twenty lottery protected first they got from Philly in the Tobias Harris deal, and I believe a late second as well yeah. to move into the get that first from Brooklyn. I like right. it from Brooklyn's perspective too because they still got Nick Claxton a couple picks later. Um, they clear out the guaranteed salary of number 27 on their books. So they're very, very close now to being able to offer a 30 and a 35% max. Not that they have any targets in mind, of course. Um, so I like the trade from both sides, but the Clippers just add another good young talent that should fit really well with yeah. with their, especially with their young guys, Gilgis Alexander and Shaman. But It's Mifiantu, Kevin Jelly, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So no, because I, I watched him play, but I've oh, okay. also heard announcers pronounce his name like a million different ways. Yeah. So I'm not sure myself. We'll we'll, we'll find out in roughly four or I guess a couple weeks in the summer league. Oh, summer league. Yeah. yeah. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clear. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. So let's move in briefly to the medium place. And we could start with the Celtics. Because as you said, them getting Grant Williams at 22 is excellent. Yeah. The, the Sixers apparently telegraphed their interest in Matisse Taibul to such an extent that the Celtics sniffed it out 
you know, Sam Vecini, who we had on earlier this week to preview the pod, um, had mentioned this in his mock draft since early June that teams thought, you know, even coming out of the combine, teams thought Type Wool had a promise. At first, they thought it was OKC, but Sam rightfully said, like, by process of elimination, teams have pretty much figured out it's Philly, and Boston figured it out this week, according to uh, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN. So Mm -hmm. they took him at 20, traded down 24 and 33 to um, to get those two picks to only move down four spots. They got an extra... They took him hostage. Yeah, yeah. And then they got Carson Edwards, who would have been a great fit for the Sixers at 33, or who they were probably going to pick at 34. So Danny Ainge, I'm pretty sure, you know, his team is falling apart, and Sixers fans are trolling the hell out of Celtics fans. But Danny Ainge once again reminded the Sixers front office who their daddy is. Yep. That's uh, that's probably the best way to put it, isn't it? <laughs> it really sucks, man. I really hate it. I really, really hate it. But I will say this. the old, So all of that would theoretically put them in the winner section. But what they did with 24, I just don't get at all. They, they traded that and Aaron Baines to Phoenix mm. to get the Milwaukee Bucks lottery-protected 2020 pick. So at best... That pick is 27, 28. It's probably going to be a worse pick next year. It's early. Maybe next year's class is worlds better than this year's class. But I, yes. I still think at that point in the first round, you're it's still all like rotation players. You know, you're not you're not gonna until the double draft at least. You're not gonna have a, a draft that's just loaded with thirty star prospects. So you're just kind of kicking the can down the road for a worse pick. I guess it, it frees up cap space, but I don't understand trading Aaron Baines, like salary dumping Aaron Baines, especially if Al Horford leaves. Yeah. No, I, I don't get player. that one either. But yeah. I, I will say that you just mentioned, you know, kicking the can down the road with picks. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Philly did. <laughs> we'll get to Philly. Philly's right, not in the medium enough. place. But in terms of the 24, like, yeah, I, I agree with you on the surface. And I do agree that next year's Milwaukee pick is going to be worse. But I do think it's going to be a deeper draft. You meant, you just said it yourself. And I think the difference in that is, like, at worst, it's going to be, like, the 30th pick. Mm-hmm. So that's a six-pick difference in what is projected to be a significantly stronger draft. Yeah. And at the top of this show, we talked about the value of late picks. So yep. I, I get that it's not the greatest value necessarily, but I don't hate it. Um, uh, what, what I really hate, though, is... Aaron Baines opted in, which cool. he did on good faith, <laughs> and then he got shipped to Phoenix. Yep. Uh, that's that's harsh, man. Yeah. Our, our friend of the podcast, Kate Smith, tweeted, you know, when, when he opted in, he said he did it with an understanding that he might get traded eventually, but not in the near term. And then, you know, the, the Kyrie news comes out, the Horford news comes out, and uh, Keith tweeted again and said, Baines is open to being traded now, but to a contender. And then Danny Cage said, all right, great. Go to Phoenix. <laughs> That's so hard, man. <laughs> that is rough. Uh, and, and look, can we just, like, he's going to play in Phoenix where it's going to be like 150 degrees every yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's going to look gonna like get... a carrot top. Right? He's going to get so sunburned. 
I'm very excited for Aaron Baines. Him and Dario Saric are just gonna turn red by the end. Of the year. Yeah, they are gonna they are gonna be playing two bright ass tomatoes <laughs> in the Talking oh. Stick Resort Arena. Jesus, yeah, yeah, that's gonna be good. I'm but excited. I mean, like, look again, Grant Williams at 22. Yeah, that's that's great. Like yep. that's just tremendous value. Yeah, Carson Edwards at I think 33. 33, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's like that's you, you just kind of put him into the old Isaiah Thomas role, right? Yeah. I mean, undersized point guard who can go get buckets. Um yeah. and, and honestly, because Carson Edwards were even available at thirty three, uh, I, I kinda wanna put the Warriors down as you know, not necessarily as losers, but I think it should be mentioned like in the bottom tier the, of the medium uh, place. Yeah, you know, of the medium place. Yeah. Because I think they would have needed that. I know they got three players, but Jordan Poole was drafted just a little bit too high. Yeah. The other two are somewhat limited in terms of their uh, their potential. Yeah, uh, I kind of like Carson Edwards. He's more established. He's got a, and, and he's still got room to grow. And he's just such a capable scorer. They need offense, man. Right. Like it's Steph Curry right now is going to be on pace to average like thirty five points next season. Which yeah. is going to be tremendously fun, and I also predict that he's going to be the first player in human history, and and everyone who's going to hit five hundred threes in a year. Um, but you need Carson Edwards, you need something like that, and he was right there for the taking, and you passed him over. Yeah. I don't get that. I think that's a problem. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And I think the other medium place team that really stands out is the Atlanta Hawks. Um, we mentioned them earlier with the Pelicans. So they traded up from 8 to 4. They gave up 8, 17, and 35 to go up to 4. They also got 57 and had to take on Solomon Hill's contract in return. With 4, they took DeAndre Hunter, who should be a very good fit with yep. their young core. With uh, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins. On paper, that is a fantastic one through four, young core. Um, got Cam Reddish at 10, who the jury is still very much out on. We, You know, he had a very underwhelming season at Duke, but he did come into college as one of the top prospects. So maybe Lloyd Pierce helps him figure it out. Who knows? I mean, Atlanta does seem to have a good player development staff down there. So Right. I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I, you just brought up something that's really intriguing to me. So we kind of give Reddish this whole, you know, second chance thing, right? Oh, uh-huh. he had a bad year in college, and, but he was still coming in hot as a high school player. Uh, so he should be going like he, he eventually ended up as a top 10, top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. What about Nasir Little then? Why yeah. aren't we giving him the benefit of the doubt? Why does he drop to 25? Yeah, no, it's fair. It's totally fair. I don't get that. I, I think the entire thing with Reddish is so weird to me. Like, b- people consistently spoke him up like, oh, he was this great thing. Like, he could be. That's fine. But you know what? Nasir Little was was mentioned in those same sentences. And for some reason, when he didn't, you know, succeed at UNC, he was like, oh, like, you can't even pick him in the first round. Like, what? Right. This, this, that is just not something that, you know, makes sense in my world. I think right. that is so weird. And I think the Hawks reached for both players. And I think mm. in the process of reaching, they gave up Nikhail Alexander uh, uh, Walker. Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's fine, but I don't like it. I, yeah. I think they gave up a ton. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is 
I'm not convinced Hunter wouldn't have been there at eight to begin with. Agreed. And, you know, they got Bruno Fernando at 34, which is, I you know, they gave up. It was 57, their first-round pick next year, and then a 2023 first-rounder. I think it's the best between theirs, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. Was it not so, a, sec- a second-rounder, you mean? Oh, yeah, second-rounder, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mel- I'm telling you, melty brain. Yeah, um, yep. <laughs> So they gave up a, a decent amount to move up to 34 but had they not made the trade they were he was there they were there at 35 on the board and sure maybe the sixers take up 34 but I, you know i don't know you only have to give up you don't have to give up two two future second round picks to move up one slot most likely so yeah, yeah i'm not convinced they maximized value here and you know we we've seeing that that might not always be the best approach. Danny Ainge has maximized value a lot of times in the past five years, and look where it got him. So maybe just going and going after the guys you really want and you know putting your faith into them is good in some, some respects, but at right. the same time, you have a limited number of assets and you really should be trying to get ring the most value out of them that you possibly can. And I'm, I'm not... Not quite sure the Hawks did that yesterday. Agreed. So we we are pretty much on the same page there. I, I too think that Hunter would have been there at eight. Uh, the only thing I can sort of see as an argument, which is fair, is like we saw a couple hostage negotiations. Yeah, <laughs> yesterday. Sure did. And you know it, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if you know the the Cavaliers were like, oh, we know that you like Hunter. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna take him at five, and then we're gonna hold him hostage until you give him up. Right, or, get, yeah. or give up more picks. Right. So maybe the Hawks did that, did this proactively just to avoid it and just make sure they get their guy, to which to some extent I respect. I, Hunter yeah. is by no means a bad player. This no, is not no. what I'm saying. I think yeah. they I think they reached for him. I don't think he's worth the fourth overall pick in this draft. Mm-hmm. I think he's significantly lower on that list. But I can respect a team saying, you know what, we identified a guy that we like and we're going to go get him. That's fine. The thing with me is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yeah. That's the big one to me. That yeah. is not some regular ass seventeenth pick. That is a fundamentally sound NBA player who has a ten year career written all over him. And you gave that up just to, you know, make sure that you didn't make a mistake. And then you take Reddish when Sekou Dumboya was right there for the taking. Mm-hmm. I'm not in love with that with, with what Atlanta did. Like, obviously, it could turn out great. Like, Reddish could become the next Paul George. DeAndre Hunter could be the next Kawhi Leonard. Whatever. That's fine. But we don't know this. This is still a gamble, and it needs to be analyzed as a gamble. If it yeah. works, great for them. If not, then this looks bad. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Hi, it's Jamie. Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Pathways is federally insured by the NCUA. So let's move into the losers now, More, We've teased the Phoenix Suns long enough. What? I mean, what the actual F did the Phoenix Suns do last night? Well, like, I can tell you what they did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, had, they brought a goat out. <laughs> they... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, you know what? I actually think the goat would have produced better results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they gave up TJ Warren as we talked about uh, a a perfectly productive high level level scorer and number thirty two for yeah. nothing, right? For cash, it's, yeah, for cash, Straight right? Cash. So enjoy so, that jet fool, Robert yeah. Sarver. Yeah. Uh, so so straight up salary dump. And part of it, when when I heard that the first time, I was floored. And then I kind of thought, okay, maybe they're just trying to clear space because they have too many wings. Right. Or they, that or makes they're sense. Like, they're, at, at that point when they had dumped Warren, you could have projected them to have – they couldn't have cleared max space for a 7-9 to nine guy. But they did have enough room for a D'Angelo Russell, per se, who has been right. mentioned as a possible landing spot. Who would be available if Brooklyn goes after Kyrie? So yeah, that makes sense. Correct. But then they decided to take, I believe, the oldest player in the draft at mm-hmm. eleven, Cam mm-hmm. Johnson. Yep. And I mean, if I said before that DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish was a reach, uh, Cam Johnson, I mean, at eleven, yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry, biggest I mean, reach of the draft for sure. Be, for sure, twenty three yeah. years old. Only really has one major skill, which is right. <laughs> spot up shooting, which is valuable, absolutely. But, but that's about it. At the right. at, at the eleventh pick, is that what you go for? <laughs> no, Cam Johnson was a guy who I had targeted at twenty four for the Sixers. He's a guy when when you have one identif- identifiable skill, mm-hmm. and he's old like that. He makes sense on a contender where he's not going to have a high usage rate. Like for a Sixers team that is hoping to build around four max players that needs shooting, Cam Johnson makes sense. For a Suns team that won 20 games last year and is nowhere near playoff contention, Cam Johnson makes no sense whatsoever. Especially, can he and Dario play together? Or did they just trade the number six pick? Did they just trade Jarrett Culver or Kobe White? And they desperately need a point guard. Did they just trade one of the, those guys for two guys who are effectively duplicative and can't play alongside one another? And that was going to be my next point. Because they traded for Dario Saric. Right. Who's another 3-4. Yeah. So, just to wrap up the, the idea about Cam Johnson here. Mm-hmm. So, I had a team in mind with Cam Johnson. Usually, when, when I look through like mock drafts or just like trying to predict what players are... Uh, should be available in, like in the vicinity of a certain team's range. Mm-hmm. I, I attach a couple players that to, to want that sp- specific team. For the Warriors, it was Carson Edwards and Cam Johnson. Mm-hmm. That was a twenty-eight. 
Oh boy. This this is just I mean Cam Johnson, I don't envy his position right now. Mm-hmm. And, and let me just be perfectly clear: when we are critical of a decision, we're right. not critical of the player. Right. No. I, again, I really liked him as a Sixers pick at right. twenty-four. It's not his yeah. fault. The Suns drafted him, and <laughs> I mean, it just sucks. I feel bad for Cam Johnson because that he has to go play with the Phoenix Suns now. That sucks. That sucks. And at the, I, I will say this: good on you, Cam Johnson, for getting more money. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because he's gonna get more money than he was looking at initially, so that's awesome. Yeah. But what the Suns are doing right now makes no sense. Right. Like now they're just stuck pile filled again with with wings and you know small power forwards like they didn't even get any kind of structure or streamline their roster like it's just such a seven-year-old's bedroom that's never (laughs) yeah i mean it just seems like they weren't operating with a overall plan in mind like if you're gonna salary dump tj warren that's cool. And if you're going to like try to create cap space, that's fine. They added, I believe, $1.7 million with the Cam Johnson trade, which, whatever. I mean, it's not a make-or-break situation. But then, then they trade back for 24 and get Aaron Baines as well. And to be clear, they got good value in that trade. I think they won that trade. Mm-hmm. Can't you know? I really liked Ty- Jerome. I think he's going to be a good fit there, especially because yeah. they need a point guard. I like Aaron Baines. I think... Or I hate Aaron Baines, but I, I mean, I like him as a player. I think he's a perfectly fine... You hate Aaron Baines as a Celtic. <laughs> Correct. Now I am yeah. now I will like Aaron Baines, because he's going to play with yeah. Dario. That makes me happy. He's no but, longer a leprechaun in your eyes. Well, he, he will always be a seven-foot smirking leprechaun. Well, he'll uh, be a seven-foot tomato by the end of the <laughs> yeah. Let's hope. But, I mean, he's a, he's a perfectly fine backup center. I, I don't mind that at all. But now, based on the last projections I've seen, Phoenix only has $14 million in cap space again. So why are you salary dumping TJ Warren if you're not creating cap space to go after someone? What are you doing? It's, it they don't just, know. They, yeah. they don't know. They have no, the no overarching plan, and it's just they're, they're running around with like chickens with their heads cut off. And it's unfortunate because I, I actually think that Phoenix were kind of heading on the right track last year. Yeah, with Aiden, Mikhail Bridges, yeah. but now they're just—I mean, how do you even fit this team together? So I mean, you have to expect follow-up moves, right? Like, there's no way Josh Jackson can be a son by the end of the summer. Well, like, I mean, that's you, that's a separate. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, like in terms of like just the the sheer roster chemistry and and structure, oh, yeah, like because yeah, you have but... Mikhail Bridges, you have Josh Jackson, you have now Cam Johnson, you also have Dar- Dario Saric, like. That's a lot of those guys. Yeah. Well, I, I would... Josh Jackson in particular, we can get it to him another time. But I, I would not be building my team thinking he's going to be a long-term piece. I just... True. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that ship has has long sailed. Um, another team, Mort, that came out on the loser end of things was my Philadelphia 76ers. Who we, mm-hmm. we talked about the Ty Bull thing already, so we don't need to go into that. But just, again, telegraphing your intentions to the extent that you had to give up the number 33 pick, which was then used on Carson Edwards, who would have been a very good fit mm-hmm. for you. That's not great. They trade 34, as we mentioned, for two future seconds and 57. 
they end up selling 57 for $2 million uh, in cash and a top 55 protected second round pick, completely fake from Miami. Yep. So that's great. Enjoy enjoy your daughter's Sweet 16 party, Josh Harris. I hope it's great. Maybe you're having a nice bar mitzvah soon. Wonderful. Uh, at 42, they use that to salary dump Jonathan Simmons, who only had $1 million in guaranteed salary. Yep. They could have waived him and stretched him, and he would have had a $333,000 cap hit, but instead they gave up a mid-second round pick for that. They did use the number 54 pick on a guy who I won't pretend I know anything about, but I know he did shoot 38.6% from three last year, and you know he's older, so I'm assuming they expect him to be an immediate contributor, at least as a shooter, which is fine. But again, just in terms, we talked about the Hawks in terms of asset management and getting the most out of your assets. I don't think anyone could even remotely argue the Sixers did that last night. Agreed. Um, you also at one point had Bruno Fernando. Yep. Or yeah. So so basically, at some point last night, you had Carson Edwards and Bruno Fernando, but you had to move them for, you know, different reasons. And Ty Jerome. Had they just yeah. stood pat at twenty four, thirty three, thirty four, not made any and trades, Ty and Jerome. just taken the players who were selected in those spots, they walk out with Ty Jerome, Carson Edwards, Bruno Fernando. Right. And here's why this is bad. The, the Sixers are going to have to max out Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler this summer in order to keep them. Correct. That means rounding out the roster is of crucial importance, yes. especially in terms of getting cheap assets that can be productive. Yes. Carson Edwards, like, can we agree that he is absolutely going to get buckets in the NBA? Yes, 100%. Right. I, Perfect. He was among... I think I listed six guys on Twitter yesterday before the draft. He was one of the six. Cam Johnson. Ty Bull was one of the six. I like Ty Bull. I'm not mm-hmm. mad at the... I, I'm very happy the Sixers got him. But just, again, in terms of assets, I would... You know, ideally, you don't telegraph it. You get him at 24, and you also get Carson Edwards. Right. And Fernando would have been made a perfect backup center. Mm-hmm. So those are two positions that you're short of now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to some extent, I get it because, so first round picks count against team salary right away. I saw some people saying the Sixers should consolidate a couple of their seconds and move back into the first. I did not agree with that just because they count against salary right away. And it's right. the math gets very tight very quickly if you're hoping that the Sixers are going to keep Jimmy Butler, keep Tobias Harris, keep JJ Redick, stay under the apron, have the full non-taxpayer mid-level it's very hard to do so. I tweeted it out this morning. You can now do it. Give JJ $10 million. You'll get the full mid-level. That's it. You're relying on nothing but minimum signings otherwise. Second rounders, you don't count them against team salary right away, which is good in some extent. Um, but you, they also, with first rounders, you get a, a salary cap exception to sign them. Second mm-hmm. rounders, you do not. So you have to use cap space or another exception like the mid-level to sign them. So Or sign them for minimum contracts. I think you have to still sign them using cap space or a part of the mid-level, even if... Even if it's a minimum deal? I believe so. 
Okay. I've heard otherwise, but that's interesting. We should we should definitely check that out. Yeah, so I, I can understand, because of that, I can understand why you don't want to cut into the mid-level to sign a bunch of young guys. That That makes sense to me. But at the same time, trade them for future picks. They're actually real picks. Don't yep. sell them for a top 55 protected pick. That's not a real pick. It's not going right. to... It's just a waste of resources, and you don't. These things don't grow on trees. You have you have to, you know, continually reload that war chest, especially after you depleted it so significantly to get Jimmy Butler and get Tobias Harris this past year. You used second round picks in both of those deals, and now you just wasted them for cash. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Because now I'm just stuck on the whole, you know, not paying or getting an exception or not or not getting an exception for second round uh, selections. Yeah. Theoretically, if you draft a second round guy and he's willing to sign for the absolute minimum, and let's assume for a second that you're absolutely right that uh, it has to be off of cap space, so you don't mm-hmm. get the minimum salary exception, couldn't you theoretically uh, just actually renounce him? And then you, you know, make, you're making an agreement with his agent, of, of course. You renounce him. You wait until I don't. Yeah, there's oh, wait, no waiver process. Wait, but no, like, I, I had it. So you can you can sign them to the minimum exception, or you do get a minimum player sal- salary exception. But if you want to sign them to like more than that, a lot of the second rounders want, you know, more than the absolute bare minimum. If you want to sign correct. them to, um, the problem with the minimum is you you can only sign for two seasons. So if you want to sign a second round pick to a three or four year deal, you have to cut into the MLE. Of course, yeah, no, so, no that one I yeah, got. But yeah. I mean, if you're like truly a late second, like yeah. in the fifties or something, and you're just not secured anything, mm-hmm. like maybe it's worth to just sign a two year blatant minimum contract. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, yeah, no, but I, I agree. I mean, th- having those picks and actually, you know, having the the ability to to withdraw with to yeah extract quality and talent and players off of those picks instead of just relinquishing uh, them is that's just such a problem when you're a team that is going to be so top heavy going yeah. into the playoffs like in, you're going to have to rely on bench players who can you gather now if you're the Sixers that can round out the roster cheaply and effectively not saying necessarily the two rookie players will got to make like a hell of a big difference for a playoff right. team right but i mean are you gonna tell me that carson edwards couldn't swing a game in the second round no, I, he could i mean if nothing else haven't we learned from the early 2010s heat the mid 2010 clippers the mid 2010 cavaliers even the warriors this past season at a certain point when you're building around big threes and big fours you tend to prioritize win-now vets. You mm-hmm. often get them on one-year or two-year minimum deals at best. Those guys age out, and you suddenly don't have a supported cast because you prioritize the wrong thing. Like There's no harm in spending two or three roster spots at the very end of your bench on developmental young prospects. But, you know, like... <laughs> The Sixers had Amir Johnson, Greg Monroe, and Furkan Korkmaz last year. You're telling me they wouldn't have been better served just giving those three roster spots to young guys who could develop into something? Yeah. You know, and those three, in theory, those three spots are open this summer. You could have slid in Ty Bull and two second rounders. And even if those guys don't make an immediate impact, 
that's fine. They could you're gonna have two inactive players on game day no matter what. That's mm. cool. Let them just develop all year. But uh, it's just it was. I mean, I just think they're. It, it might not backfire on them right away. Like I I want to make that point very clear. If if they sign Tobias and Jimmy and they re-sign JJ, this all very well might work out. They might win the title next year. They're that good if they have if they run it back. But this missing on moves around the margins like this will shorten their window considerably. And they have continually showed over the last few years that they have not been good at the moves on the margins. That's what Correct. sets, you know, that's what sets the Spurs apart from a lot of other dynasties. The Spurs are very good at the margin moves, and that's how they get a Monte Ginobili or a Tony Parker, or even recently DeJounte Murray or a Derek White. All of those guys were late first-round picks or second-round picks. You have to hit on those guys sometimes. And yep. when you do, as we said earlier, it gives you such an enormous advantage. Yep. I, I agree with you entirely. So let's move on to the Thunder. Yeah. Man. Brandon Clark is on the board at 21, and you trade down because you yeah. want to slightly lessen your salary or luxury tax bill. Yeah, that's not great. That is not great. Not great at all. I I mean, I, I don't know what to say about... They, they got uh, who Darius Baisley, I believe, at 23. Yeah. yeah, so there's definitely some potential there. Sure. I mean, he's he's significantly younger. You got to yeah. give him that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a lefty uh, power forward, but he's really thin. I mean, he's he's a project. He didn't play competitively last year. He he interned at New Balance. Um, he was he was a, he's a clutch sports client, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, he but he's not Brandon Clark. Like he's not a guy who will come in. And, and give you Brandon Clark production from year one or year two even. Mm-hmm. The Thunder are one of the league's best defensive teams. Brandon Clark is an, it could be an elite defensive player. It mm-hmm. kind of makes sense to add to the riches in that sense. Uh, or just, just basically get quality. Because if there's something we, we learned this year in the playoffs is the Thunder as well. They, they needed depth and they yeah. needed just quality. And Brandon Clark is quality. Darius Basley is an unknown. Um, like granted, because of his age and athleticism and quickness, you know he could actually become something. And and I'm not questioning his capabilities. Mm-hmm. But right now, at least for a team that's in a win now mode, and yep. and drastically drastically so because you look at Russell Westbrook, who's going to be 31 this year. Mm-hmm. Like you need someone who can come in and change the games. Like we talked about this a couple of episodes ago. Like if you are a win now team. It, that's when it makes sense to bring in older rookies. Brandon Clark would fit that all the way through, and yeah, nope, two picks down. Yeah, not not great. Not um, great. The Washington Wizards too. I like yeah. Rui Hachimura. I don't like him at number nine. That's kind of my thing too. I like him more at fifteen. Yeah. Ironically, where Sekou Dumboya was. <laughs> right. Right. If you just flip those over, I feel way better about the actual draft. Yeah. Um, I think the Wizards are going to get a good player. Sure. I, I think they are. But I, I also think that they're going to look at at least a couple of names overall uh, moving forward and go, oh, oh, we we could have had something different. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure how Hachimura is going to 
develop on that team in Washington, there isn't really a GM. John Wall's situation is just all messed up. You don't really know whether Bradley Beal stays or goes. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, rumors say that they're keen on keeping him. Right. But things can always change in the NBA in the blink of an eye. It, yeah. it just, <laughs> you know, it takes one team to call up uh, the Wizards and go, hey, listen to this sweetheart offer. And right. then, boom. Right. So, yeah, uh, they had to use their selection, obviously. I would have gone for the prospect um, because Hachimura is 21, I want to say, and yep. a little bit more NBA ready. Yep. Um, just not seeing the major upside. He's not overly athletic. He's... Mm-hmm. Good, but not great at a lot of different things. He's a high efficiency player, which I do like. Like he can he can fabricate shots out of nowhere if he's within 15 foot of the basket. So, yeah, there's there's some upside, but it's not great. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't have picked him at nine. I would have picked him around yeah between 15 and 17, 18. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally agree there. And I think the last real loser is not a team, but is Bull Bull. Uh, was expected yeah. to be at least a first-round pick. Yeah. Not, not so much. Falls to the Denver Nuggets, who traded up into the draft. They didn't. They weren't projected to have uh, a draft pick. They traded up to 44 to get him, which yep. I love it for the Nuggets. I do, too. I mean, that's just that is a classic, you know, uh, low-risk, high-reward high trade. Yeah, which is absolutely. Fine. Yeah, uh, I was I was not high on <laughs> on Bull Bull after our <laughs> after our Vicini pod. Yeah, I gotta admit, um, yeah. like he really detailed some issues that I had probably overlooked. So I started looking at him a little bit more. Uh-huh. Uh and, and yeah, I mean it was it was pretty bad. Uh, the, the one game he he mentioned, I didn't oh, catch yeah. it, catch all of it, but I found some of it on YouTube and just like off of the first seven or eight plays. He, he he wasn't kidding. That was bad. And yeah. his weight, 207, 208 or 207 or whatever the hell it was for someone who's 7'3". Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you look, did you see him at the actual draft when he stood up as well? Yeah. I mean, he was, he's real thin. And like, yeah. it, he yeah. looks entirely different when he's in uniform, I got to say. Yeah. Like, you really put into perspective how, how skinny he is, he is uh, when he's rocking around in a suit. So I kind of get it. I think and I hope... That he puts on some muscle, mm-hmm. that he, you know, refines his his defensive game, that he stays healthy, that he just figures out what he wants to be in terms of a basketball player. Yeah. And for Denver, man, I mean, it doesn't really take all that much for them to to develop players because they're good at it. You know, when you have a system where you can consistently develop players, mm-hmm. it's because you've broken a code yeah. and you understand what it takes. So that puts them in a great position with a 7-3 project who can shoot. Who can shoot the hell out of the ball. Right. I mean, it's it's a good chance for Denver. So they're, in a sense, winners. And Paul yeah. Paul, for himself, for dropping is a loser yeah. for, the, for last night, which is unfortunate. Right. But yeah, this could end up being a blessing in disguise for him. Yeah, I mean, the one... <laughs> The what we just said about the Sixers, you know, how you could just afford to spend a roster spot or two at the end of your bench for a developmental project. That's what the Nuggets are doing. So I love this for them. There, there's almost no risk involved here. If if he hits, I mean, him and Jokic, that would be one of the most unique center combinations I can imagine. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, for a guy with with conditioning issues, especially going to Denver is probably not the best thing for him. But I don't expect we see much, or if any, of him this season. I think they're just gonna work on him behind the scenes for a year or two. I mean, they still have Jokic and Plumlee, so they you know there's no immediate need to throw him into the mix. Right. Just you know work work with him behind the scenes and see what you get in a couple of years, but. What the hell? Why not at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a a future Plumley replacement essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and that makes sense. And we actually saw that a little bit. I, I think this year, like players who were drafted to almost be replacements for other players, like when Boston took Grant Williams. To right. me, that reads like the Marcus Morris replacement long term. Yeah, yeah. Like I, if if Morris demands a lot of money in free agency, I would just rather say no, thank you, and <laughs> right. give his minutes to Grant Williams. Right. Um, just seems like that's the better play. I also want to give a shout out real quick to the Jazz, who got Justin Wright Foreman from Hofstra. Mm-hmm. Small guard, like six. He's listed as six two as I'm reading it, but that doesn't seem accurate. He seems a little bit <laughs> smaller than that. But Duke can score. Duke can absolutely score, and I think Utah is realizing right now that after you know after acquiring Mike Conley as well that getting offensive production for that team is just so crucial. So that they went out here at the 53 and got a guy who can just get straight buckets. I love that. I mean, you know it's a deep cut if you're praising a team for the 53 or third over. No, but <laughs> I get it. I get it. But if yeah. you can score no, the basketball, that's yeah. one of those things that usually translates pretty well. I'm not saying he's necessarily going to get minutes, but I hope he will right. because it makes sense. He's one of those guys who can come in you know, get 15 minutes here and there and, and end up with, you know, eight or nine points. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It was, yeah, I mean, as we said at the top of the episode, a lot more winners than losers, but that made the losers stand out even more, unfortunately. So, Ward, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, Thank you to everyone for listening today. Hope you enjoyed. We will be back in a couple days, most likely. I'm sure there will be a lot of free agent stuff to start talking about that (laughs) set your calendars that starts in a week basically so we have a wild few weeks ahead we'll be you know more more is on baby watch so he he may or may not be available for some of this stuff but we we will be continuing to pump out episodes um as the madness all unfolds so please follow us on twitter at the nba pod you can find all of our episodes there you can also find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can find us on iTunes and wherever podcasts are distributed. So on iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews, and we're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Mort, go get some sleep. Thank you, man. You too. And uh, enjoy Carson Edwards and Bruno Fernet. Oh, oh, good, good, oh. great. Yeah. I hope it works out as well as Marco Fultz did. <laughs> Take care, man. You too. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. <laughs> this might be your new favorite. You're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants.